This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. Your English language learners are sitting in your classroom, and if you've got technology there, you can help them. On today's show, we've got special guest Greg Conley talking ESL and technology integration. Stay tuned. Edutech Guys Radio, radio radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on the site this program for those of participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. Hello and welcome to EduTech Guys Radio, brought to you by Southwest Arkansas Education Cooperative and Hope Public Schools, both in Hope, Arkansas. I'm one of your hosts, David Henderson. Hey, and I'm Jeff Madlock. <laughs> How's it going out there? Woo! It is. Uh, it's been a wild and wooly Wednesday, <laughs> has it not? <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we had, had a few. You know, it, it's funny. We sometimes we get here early and we set up. And uh, those are kind of the times when we sometimes have really odd technical glitches right before we go on the air. Yeah. And yeah. then sometimes we run in 10 minutes before the show because it's been one of those hectic days of, you know, education, <laughs> and technology, and education, and technology, and education. And uh, anyway, uh, and then we don't have any problems. But today we had a, just a little issue. If you, if you were tuning in first and you heard some, some squabbly bloop, that was probably us. Squabbly gook. That was goop. Us. That was a good times for us. Wobbly goop. Good times had by everyone here. Good good times. Anyway, <laughs> I was going to do something there, and I, I didn't. So anyhow, uh, yeah, so on today's show, uh, we've got Greg Conley. He is from the uh, Buffalo School District, and a great interview coming up with him. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we've also got, of course, the... Uh, Google, Google, the Google, 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 the Google, uh, it's not really a tip of the week, uh, we're gonna, but we are going to talk about some of the cool things that uh, Google is doing. Oh, um, we're also going to uh, talk about uh, the THE journal, that's an education journal. They released the results from their first teaching with technology survey in which they talked to or surveyed 1,300 uh, educators, <clears throat> excuse me, about uh, education, uh, about technology that they're using in their classrooms, but also about the 
technology that they have in their classrooms that they wish wasn't in the classroom. Very interesting stuff. Going to be very interesting stuff. So, uh, yeah, a lot of cool things uh, coming up here. Yeah. Hey, listen, you can catch us on the web at www.edutechguys.com. You can catch us on Twitter at edutechguys. Also, don't forget, we're edutechguys everywhere. So just look <laughs> us up on Google, and you can find us. Just type in edutechguys. We're out there. I don't think we're on Pinterest. Sorry, we're just not on Pinterest. I don't have time to pin anything. Uh, but we are at Instagram, uh, Facebook, edutechguys, Google+, uh, Voxer. Uh, you name it, we're out there. So just find us. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, you can always catch us at hashtag ETG chat. Yeah. And we'll try to put that on the show. I want to give a shout out to the good doc. He's our guy handling social media during the show and handling, uh, letting us know how pretty we are and what we sound like and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, that was my phone telling me that, hey, you've got a show at 4 o'clock. <laughs> you're missing it. So... Uh, <laughs> It's good to know that your reminders come in after the fact. That's, that's great. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. At least they're working. Back oh, in the old days, goodness. they wouldn't work for me. So <laughs> that's, that is awesome. But yeah, it comes up on my screen too. Hey, Jeff, you got a you got you got a show today. You better get over there. <laughs> you better do something about well, that. Thanks a million for that. Oh, yeah. We also have music today from Nick Flora playing one of our. Uh, new favorite songs, or one of my new favorite songs anyway. I, I don't know Jeff's feeling on it, but Hard Man to Love. Uh, I just, man, it's it's got a good beat and you can dance to it. I like it. I do too. I like it a lot. And uh, we'll have another song, I'm sure. We haven't decided who it is yet, but there you go. And speaking of, if you are a member of uh, an indie band or know somebody who is, um, feel free to uh, reach out to us. Hop over to edutechguys.com. And fill out the form uh, on there and uh, let us know. Tell us uh, who you are, what you play, and uh, we would love to feature you on the show. Every week we feature an artist or two, and uh, we'd love to play some new music, some music that, you know, generally you're not going to be exposed to. So, uh, I don't know, that, that's one of the cool things, at least I think it's cool, it's one of the cool things we do here on the show. So I have to give a big shout out to David because he does a lot of the notes work and uh, the research work uh, to get us ready for the shows. And a lot of the times he's making sure show notes are all updated and everything. And today, as he mentioned, um, got a really great piece here about the national survey uh, for the first ever teaching and technology survey conducted by the journal. And um, hey, we'll just jump into it really quick because it's some really interesting stuff. I, I found it uh, really great as I was reading over it. I was, it's, that's, it's information that's that's pretty much where I thought it was going to be at. You know, it shows us what's happening. You know, overall they're showing that 92% of those surveyed see laptops as either essential or valuable. That was 49% and 43% for teaching and learning. And it was interesting. Chromebooks, which were a separate category, that was at 80% saying that they were essential. Yeah. And that's you know that's pretty high stuff right there. Um, well, and I, and I think that to me, the telling, you know, if you look at laptops and you look at Chromebooks and we say, okay, what are the similarities, right? Okay, so you've got a, a built-in keyboard, you've got the screen, it's internet accessible slash internet based, right? Compared to uh, some of the other things that were not high on the list, for example, uh, even 
uh, media tablets, which is going to be your iPads or Android tablets, those types of things, uh, they are actually down in fourth. Um, it looks like that's what about 87% said that uh, those were effective. But then you keep on going down the list, and at the very bottom, smartwatches, which I don't, I don't know that that's a surprise. I mean, but you know, it's funny. I'm glad you got to the smartwatches. You know, the decline in tablets that doesn't shock me. But you know, what we're seeing is tablets being used in younger ages. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's a big deal. I, I think it's interesting that they say that about a tablet, but, you know, a phone is really a tablet. And, you know, it's interesting because I think that's why tablets don't catch on is because they are too big. Yeah, well, I mean, and I, think I don't that's, know. <laughs> I think a lot of people, and it's also one of those things. You're starting, that, to, you're starting to push up against the whole phablet. Yeah, you the know, phablet thing. Yeah. But, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of people love tablets and they use them, you know, stealthily. Sure, sure. I think once you let a kid choose, that's going to be a big one right there. You know, there's an interesting thing as public educators. I think it's great that we give them the opportunity and we provide uh, the devices so they get to make a choice. Right. But, you know, the watch thing, you know, there's an interesting one. One of the biggest problems that I see, and it's always been a problem, and it's even more now and it shouldn't be, is time management. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's an interesting thing. There was a part, there, there has been a time recently in our country's history, in the world history, where people stopped wearing watches. And they look at their phones. Yeah, I, I'm not wearing one yeah, now. You don't wear I, one now. I, yeah. I, I still wear one just out of habit. It's like yeah. I just there's supposed to be something on this wrist, you know. <laughs> I'm uh, and if I wear any more bracelets, they're gonna think I'm a heavy metal rocker. So you or, know, I have to be or uh, Johnny Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp. <laughs> Could be shy. Um, <laughs> wait, he's American. He's English. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, but, you know, I think the interesting thing that's, that could possibly catch on, and you know, everybody wants to give Apple a hard time, but Apple's not the only one in the smartwatch category. Oh, heck no. And there's a lot of people that, that were had already mastered smartwatches before Apple even came out with their smartwatch. Sure. I think that that's a, that's a really interesting thing. I think if we get back into the wearable technology, we see a lot of people wearing Fitbits mm -hmm. and those kind of things you know, with wearable technology. And I think when you give those wearable pieces a little more power, you'll see more people start to wear them. Yeah. I, you know, and then then we'll have the ability, you know, if it's gonna buzz and remind me, you know, I do wear a Martian watch on occasion and, and all it does is let me know stuff. You know, it just tells me, hey, you got a tweet, you got an email, sure. you know, this kind of thing. I like that. Yeah. You know, kind of go, yeah. oh, oh yeah, I need to take care. Oh, it's time for a show. Okay, you know, one of those kind <laughs> right. of things. Yeah. Right. But you know, I think that, that the wearable teachers don't see the use of that yet. But I think when we get to the point where you're going into your Remind 101 and say, send this, and you know that everybody, every kid that's wearing a wearable is going to, their arm is going to go, are going right. to go, hey, you know, or coo coo choo or whatever it does, you know. Sure. I think when that, when they see it more commonplace in the classroom, they realize, hey, all these kids are wearing watches. They're not pulling their phones out. They're just looking at their watches. Mm -hmm. Then it might catch on. But that's, that's if wearables catch on, you know, at, at a higher level. So. Well, and I think in terms of, in class education use, the any kind of wearable, whether it's it's a watch or it's some funky new shirt or you know whatever headband, you name it. Um, until there are applications for the application of that particular wearable technology, it's it's a gizmo, it's a gadget. Frankly, I think right now things like smartwatches are where. Um, I, I would say right now they are kind of where calculators were when at least you and I were students, right? Uh, why are you using that thing? You can't use that thing. Don't use that thing. What's the point in that thing? 
right? I mean, that's basically the way calculators were treated. Now there are entire curriculums or curricula or however you say the multiple, uh, but there are entire programs based on you know, calculator use in mathematics. Right. So it's it's that whole adoption of this technology that is so, I mean, it, it really is, especially in education. It's so new, they don't know what to do with it. Um, I, I do find it interesting that, that right above, not, not immediately, but a couple of notches above smartwatches, mobile phones were near the bottom of the list. Well, and I like that they say that they're detrimental. You know, it's interesting, and that's why. Here's why. School-owned devices, school-controlled devices can be controlled. So we can shut down texting, we can shut down Facebook, we can shut down messaging. And I think that's the funny part is that they see them detrimental because that is a student's device. You know, this doesn't talk about BYOD. This doesn't right. talk about, do you find laptops that are brought by the students that are personally owned laptops essential? Right. Well, that might be a whole different story. Sure. Because at that point, we're providing, you know, some SIPA protection, some firewall protection. But overall, some of the other stuff that might be installed on that machine is out of our hands. Right. But hey, that's a whole discussion for an, an entirely other time. Well, uh, it is, but by the same token, um, if, uh, and, and by the way, if we, and I don't, and I don't know, I, to be honest, I'm, <laughs> I'm not watching our Twitter feed. I'm assuming that uh, the good doc has posted that out for us. If not, that will come out soon. We have a link to this, to the, to the survey results. So uh, you guys can check that out on Twitter <laughs> um, through our feed. Uh, but one of the other infographics that they throw up there is not only the results as to what uh, the value of particular devices, but then they also do the opposite. Um, and I guess maybe the opposite is the right word, but uh, that is among among the tools currently in use by educators, which ones are the most reviled? So <laughs> that's interesting to me because now you have technologies that are currently in use, but that essentially these teachers hate. And the number one thing on the list was desktop computers. <laughs> like, <laughs> holy cow. But not far down the list, interactive whiteboards. 68% of teachers surveyed said that they have a whiteboard and they hate it. So that to me is, that's a little telling, but again, and, and I don't know the... Uh, you know, I, I don't know all the details. Uh, I, I don't know how the questions were asked. I don't know. My guess is there was the the questions were probably not very deep. So that then turns to why? Why do you have this interactive whiteboard that you hate? What do you hate about it? Oh, because you're using it as a glorified projection screen. Yeah, I could see why you don't like it. Oh, wait, because you're not able to do multi-touch on the particular device you have and you wish you could have all of your students coming up to class, that's a whole different conversation than the fact that, you know, if you're just not liking the fact that there's a smart board. Now, that could very well be, and, and I'm, I didn't mean smart, interactive whiteboard. Let's keep this generic, sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, very, very interesting that, uh, you know, it's just, it's funny to me that traditional desktops is number one on the list, man. I mean, just, how do you hate desktops? I, mean, I hate desktops. I, I know you do. No, I don't hate desktops. <laughs> that's, that's very interesting. Hey, listen, you're listening to Edutech Guys Radio, coming to you live from Southwest Arkansas Education Co-op in Hope, Arkansas. We're going to take a quick break, real quick break. Don't disappear because Greg Conley's coming up next. We're going to talk ESL, ELL, technology integration, and all that great stuff. But before we do, uh, we're going to hear a little bit from Nick Flora with Hard Man to Love. 
Stay tuned. Greg Conley coming up in just a second, talking ELL, ESL, and all that good stuff here on EduTech Guys. Up next, we've got Greg Conley here with us. Uh, Greg, welcome to the show. Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, what you do, what you're up to, and then we're going to get into some really cool stuff that uh, I know that you're up to. Uh, well, I am an instructional technology coach in the Buffalo Public Schools. Prior to that, I was an English as a second language teacher also in the Buffalo Public Schools. I really like working with English language learners and especially with technology. Um, I've done a host of things related to one-to-one -one programs within the district. Awesome. Okay, so tell us, what's the biggest thing that right now on your plate that you're using every day with English language learners and technology? There is no one answer. How about that? Oh, give, <laughs> then give us 10. Awesome. That's yeah, that's right. All right. <laughs> uh, you know, really, pedagogically, uh, you know, there's a lot of work trying to bring multimodality I mean, multi multimodality and as well as um, um, multilingual ecology into the classroom. So what does that mean? I mean, as teachers and as instructional coaches in the classroom, we're trying to take anything we can to bring a student's home language into the classroom, make it more meaningful and multimodal in different ways. So they're not just getting the words coming out of your mouth, but they're becoming the creators, the sharers, and they're doing so in more than one language. So for us in the classroom right now, what we're doing with technology and we're reaching out into all sorts of different apps in order to build meaning making and make it more impactful. Cool. All right. So I have, I have a question. It's when, when you say ESL in our neck of the woods, generally you're talking Spanish speaking folks. So I'm curious to know what, what, what is the makeup of the ESL students you're working with? That is an awesome question to ask. Uh, you know, awesome. Buffalo Public, <laughs> the Buffalo Public Schools, I think, are a little bit against the trend of the rest of the country. We're taking in students who are mostly refugees. So sure, um, the dominant uh, second language in the district is Spanish. However, the rest of the top six languages include Karen, Burmese, which are both spoken in Burma or Myanmar, depending on what you want to say, okay. Nepali, Somali, Arabic. So we're getting a whole different um, uh, language group. We're getting different language groups than I would say other parts of the country, but there are other parts of the country too that are getting those same language groups as well. It's all dependent on um, you know who's coming and for sure. what reason. Yeah, so but it's amazing too because, and to add on to that, uh, it's it's been amazing too because it's been it's not. Your Barnes and Noble, I would say, I would I like to call your Barnes and Noble uh, languages where you can just go to the store and hey, there's something for my language. Right, right. Yes, there isn't, in many of these cases, and we have so many. We have a lot of students who are in those top six languages, but we have languages that are far more um, less in world population, like 
Kachin, uh, Kareni, those are languages that there aren't as many worldwide, but we still need to support them. And, you know, Google Translate's a great app, but it's not perfect, and it certainly doesn't reach all of our students yet. Sure. Well, and that's, that's I mean, you kind of went right into where I, where my brain was going in terms of, I mean, I can't imagine some of the challenges that you face in the fact that you have such a diverse group of ESL students. Yeah, I, I mean, we're, we're, we're making strides with the help of technology in the classroom. Um, I mean, last year I, I went out and I, I looked at our total list of ELLs in the district and I took the top 40 or so and I went out and I looked for an equivalent bilingual dictionary or an appropriate translation app or website and I turned those into QR codes so that students who have iPads or their own devices could then go access their language. They're, they don't have to carry around a bilingual dictionary or go without a bilingual dictionary altogether or translator. Um, you know, these districts, no matter how big you are, no matter how big a school district might be, we can't have an interpreter for each student in each right. language. Right. It's not possible. But what we can do is provide those opportunities and accessibility to their home language in school during the day. Yeah. That is yeah. awesome. So um, I have a great question. So uh, in the technology integration aspect of it, are these kids mostly BYOD devices? Are you guys providing devices? Or do you find for ELL students, for ESL students, that it's it's kind of better for them to choose a device that's easier for them to handle, that, that maybe that they're more comfortable with in their native language to learn English? Uh, well, in our district, we have a lot of one-to-one -one programs right now. We also have some card-based programs as well. And we have, I, mostly we have iPads and we have laptops. And those are split up depending on your age right now. Um, you know, with pre-K through six, mostly dealing with iPads and seventh or 12 dealing with laptops. That's not a firm rule, but it is a rule we kind of have established within the Buffalo Public Schools. Um, and, you know, yeah, I guess that's about it. I think that answers your question, right? Yeah, that answers <laughs> my question. And so I'm going to throw one at you. Each one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, here's the kicker. So um, you you look like a, a, a pretty young guy. So you I, I, you probably not been in education as long as we have. We've been here a long time. In fact, uh, the ambulance is outside to take me back to the home when we get finished. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so did you ever have the opportunity to teach without technology in ELL? Um, I that was I, some of my earlier experiences were quite a bit without technology. My school that the first school that I taught in. Um, the most they had really was a computer lab that was very difficult to get access to. So I said, forget that. And um, I think later on within the following year, they, they got a, a laptop cart. Um, but it was something that I rarely used. Uh, what turned it around for me, though, is I began filming my students. So we became, began to make green screen videos, um, hmm. creating something called a video quilt where I might do the beginning and the end, but they fill in the middle of those videos. So cool. we're still able to achieve language learning, content learning, and also some digital literacy along the way. How do, you, how do you make film or what would work best for creating film? Yeah, so. that's very cool. So what have you noticed in the increase with technology integration? Have you noticed it being a, a massive jump in the learning curve for the students, for the, for the kids coming in? You know, it's all dependent on how it's scaffolded. Um, I had a really cool experience last year. We did a, a video project with a, what we call a standalone ENL classroom, because in New York we call it English as a new language, so now I have to explain my job to other people who have the same job. So, <laughs> we changed um, one letter, man. <laughs> yeah. 
everything. So we uh, we did a video project and we used iMovie with iPads. And I had a student who might have been there for only two months or so, or three months last year. And the um, teacher and myself as the, as the coach, we made sure that she had her opportunities to shoot the video, edit the video, and be a part of that. And what did that mean for me? It was that I had to scaffold things in a way that she would understand. And her whole language is Kinyarwanda, and I don't speak much Kinyarwanda. So I really had to make sure that the images I displayed to her were appropriate and realistic for her to accomplish. And she was able to produce the same product that anybody else would produce. She was able to edit, split clips, add titles. It takes time, but she was able to accomplish it. So I call that a win overall. But a lot of that scaffolding comes down to showing images for students, um, mm -hmm. explaining through video yourself, creating it in advance. So it's a lot of background work in order to implement this kind of technology. But the results are absolutely amazing. That is very, very cool. So my, my next question is, so if you were, for our listeners, if you were to tell a, a new teacher, say in Hope, Arkansas, in the South, who's yeah. teaching ELL, ESL, and they said, okay, I'm brand new to this. What would be the one thing I should try to do now? Uh, what would be the one or two or three apps that I should use? What's your, 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 here's your elevator pitch. You've got 40 seconds to, you know, tell this person <laughs> on the way to the next session at a conference. This is what I would do if I was you. All right. And I'm going to get, well, two things. One, I would say get into filmmaking and give your students the opportunity to speak, listen, read, write everything and act out to show meaning. And if you can apply a green screen to it, you've got background, you've got content. So if that's one thing I could recommend, it would be that. Yeah. After that, I would say target vocabulary. If technology does something well, it's giving opportunity to practice vocabulary, whether it's through game or just um, explicit instruction even at times. You can personalize learning with the help of technology. If you're talking about Edpuzzle, you can provide opportunities of practice like Quizlet. You can do those things with technology that you can't always do in the classroom with 20, 30 kids there in front of you. You can personalize it to make them accountable for what they're learning. Awesome. Yeah, that is fantastic. <laughs> and that's perfect. Well, you know, I have to jump on, you know, the video stuff. That's a big one. You know, we're into podcasting and audio. Um, we're also into video. David has his own channel that he does you know, religiously on a completely different gaming site. But, um, you know, that's the interesting thing. When we look back at early software that came out for English learning students, um, it was all visually based. You know, that's the best way to make that happen. And I think it makes it more personable when you're using video in the classroom with each of the students. So I have to show you this. I don't know if you've seen one of these. This is Amiibo by Livestream. Oh. Uh, and what it's amazing about this is it lets you do it lets you do on on the demand live stream editing of twelve of nine different shots from one four K image. Um, wow! Yeah, this is something uh, we'll we'll put the link up. But uh, for like your class, you know, any any English learning class, uh, you could have nine different students who have nine different screens, and as you go through, they're each you know you're touching the screen to bring that student into the forefront with their audio. And it make it make it really neat. I just wanted to show you that I was because you're you're into video, and I'm and I'm like you know anybody looking for an easier way to do video for students, that's the definitely different way to go. Well, and and tying directly into that, uh, I mean it's a perfect segue. Not only is Greg into video, but has his own YouTube channel that is uh, now that's now your YouTube channel is mostly focused on the ESL side, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So um, yeah, talk about that. So really, it sprung out of um, some uh, the realization that I didn't have enough time in the classroom. So I started to experiment with flipping the classroom. 
and I created the grammar videos at first, and then I started co-teaching in social studies, and then it sprung in. And, um, now I've focused more on an ELA front with stories, um, and I, I might go back and forth a little bit with grammar, but I feel like there's, a, there's still a place out there for good instruction for ELLs before they go through the crazy lessons about stories that they might not know of because of context and culture. Sure, uh, absolutely. That's what I'm do you find yeah. that the, do you find that the kids like that a lot better that they like video and audio that they like to you know interact in a flipped in a flipped environment do you find that possible i mean one of the big deals yeah i mean you know so often when the students are sitting in the classroom and i'm not the kind of quiet person if you can judge by this conversation <laughs> but and my students get to understand that vibe as well however your students sometimes can be quiet. They don't want to talk to you because you might not have an opportunity to talk to them, but giving them the ability to control your video that you make, um, allowing them to rewind, go forward, it gives them a sense of um, power that they might not get in the classroom. So your higher kids can have a different experience than your lower kids, but you're still, you're still able to teach the same content. Yeah, that is awesome. Cool. Well, you know, I know you're a busy guy, and we want to thank you for coming on. And our our podcast is not a long one, so this works out beautiful for us. Um, last thing you want to wrap up with, what would you like to tell the listening audience before you, we head out of here? Your English language learners are sitting in your classroom, and if you've got technology there, you can help them. You can do so much to help them learn English, and the sky's the limit. And if you need help, please contact me. I'd love to help you. So thank you for having me, having me on the show. I really appreciate it. and happy to talk to you about technology and ELLs. Absolutely. Hey, we, I, I'm so glad that uh, you agreed to come on and share this uh, experience and, and let us kind of look at the, that side of uh, education technology. It's not a side, you know, Jeff and I necessarily get to dabble in much. So it's, it's really cool to hear some of the stuff that, uh, that you're doing with your students. That, that's awesome. That's very cool. Thank you. Did you know the EduTech guys provide professional development and training to your teachers and students? We offer workshops in podcasting for the classroom, Google Apps for Education, Google Classroom, social media outreach for schools, and much more. We also provide live online coverage for your conference or event. We'll sit down with presenters, attendees, selected vendors, and your key conference personnel live during the conference or event to provide man-on-the-street interviews and insights each day. Want to know more? Reach out to us on Twitter at EduTechGuys. Head over to EduTechGuys.com and fill out the contact form on the front page. Or you can call us at 870-729-1414. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Hey, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that interview. We had a great time with Greg Conley. We want to thank him tremendously for coming on the show. David and I learned a lot because, you know, that's something that we, we do ed tech, but we never got into that before. So that right. was, that was great for us. Check him on Twitter. Greg's a teacher <laughs> at Greg's a teacher on Twitter. Check out his YouTube channel, which is Greg Conley ESL. And I uh, just go to YouTube, put it in there and you'll find Greg there. Hey, Catch us live. You know you want to see us live. We're a lot of fun. We like to do conferences. You can stop by the table, stop by and visit with us. Get on the air because we like to. We actually come live from a lot of places. Where are we coming from? The Arkansas Conference of Technology, October 19th through 21st in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Be there, be square. As well, schools without walls, November 6th through 7th, 2016. That's coming up in Hot Springs. We're really excited about that one. 
Don Benton's been great to us, and we're going to be great to those guys. Also going to probably do a little little workshops there, so you definitely want to be there to, to catch the workshop yep. with us and the live conference coverage. AESA, that is in November 30th through December 3rd in Savannah, Georgia. And then the big one, Fetsy, January 24th through the 27th, 2017. We're ringing in the new year with Edutech guys in Edutech guys style in Orlando, Florida with Orlando. Fetsy. Orlando! <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, uh, hey, guess what time it is? It's time for David. What time is it? The Google tip of the week. <laughs> it's not really a tip. I, I need a new word. It's app not really a tip. Place. It's not even an app. It's a. It's, it's a, a thing. site. It's a thing. It's a thing that they're doing. No, this is this is very. I thought anyway. I thought this was very very cool. Earlier in the week, Google uh, launched a brand new magazine called Careers with Code USA, and it's aimed at high school students. Uh, so again, it's a magazine aimed at high school students. The students learn how coding and computer science is used in ways that they might not have thought of before. So for example, <clears throat> one of the stories that they have is about uh, Jonathan Graham, and uh, he's, he does, he does uh, programming, coding, that kind of stuff. But he was visit, visiting with his family in Pennsylvania, and he noticed how many of the coal mines were closing. And so, you know, he put his computer science and coding experience to work, and uh, he did a couple of things. One was um, he, he set up a program to help train the folks who were coming out of the mines and were no longer employed, and they needed, you know, they needed new skills. They were starting their lives over, and he set up a program where he was going to start, and he's teaching them how to code. Very, very cool. And he also came up with a program called Mind It. Uh, excuse me, Mind M I N E D Minds M I N D S. So Mind Minds Mind <laughs> Minds. Yes. Okay. Um, and that is a foundation that helps provide, uh, it helps seed technology hubs in Pennsylvania and West Virginia where these coal mines are closing in order to help spur economic growth in those areas. That's beautiful. It's awesome. So, and it just goes to show you, and, and hopefully goes to show high school students, things that they can do with or around computer science that may or may not be directly involved with coding, with computer science, or heck, for that matter, you know, it, it may not have to do with either one of those, although that's what this magazine is actually, you know, focused on is careers with coding. Uh, and so you can check that out. It is free. We will um, tweet out the uh, link to it. It is careerswithcode.com. Uh, schools or anybody for that matter, can actually also order print copies. And they have a pricing schedule there. So depending on how many copies you get, it gets cheaper the more copies you buy. But you can actually buy physical copies and hand those out to students as well. So That's it's very, awesome. very cool. I just I, It blew me away. I mean, some of the stuff that Google's doing, I mean, I, I know we talk about them you know, every week, but seriously, man, yeah. some of the stuff that they come up with. Well, is, they're hiring man. people. They've got lots of workforce. They oh. get people. They get the need for people. And that's what they're doing. It's, it's, it's very cool. Once again, I want to thank David for always doing the research to make sure our show notes are impeccable and that we have stuff to talk about on the show. I don't always do it, but thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I also want to give a shout out to David's YouTube channel, David Inark, D-A-V-I-D-I-N-A-R-K. You definitely want to check it out. Do him a favor. Do me a favor. Subscribe. You'll love the stuff. You'll get a great, it's, it's great for relaxing and having a good laugh because David is funny as all get out. I'm a goof. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good stuff. Really good stuff. Check out his YouTube channel. 
David and Ark. You can also check us out on YouTube, EduTech Guys. We put out some small little videos here and there. Yeah, some of them quite hilarious. We think anyway, (laughs) and uh, a few of our commercials are out there. Also, check us out on the web, www.edutechguys.com. Put us into Google, edutechguys.com, and find us on your favorite social media platform. Well, it's almost time. We're going to wrap up the show here, and uh, it's been a wonderful day. It's a wonderful Wednesday. I hope you're having a great early fall. I hope it cools down in your area of the the woods, and the weather's beautiful. Hey, I'm Jeff Madlock. I'm David Henderson. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Edutech Guys Radio, radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on this site is programmed for those whose participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You You can can do do it it all, all, but but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.